The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We're having a good time here. We're having a great time, and we're going to have a better time because we're going to be talking to a very important gentleman. Matter of fact, I don't. you can't see me right now, and our Facebook live stream just blew up, I guess because of my wonderful expression on my face. But we have—I'm wearing blue today. I have, I have totally blue on. We talked about this in the first hour a little bit because it's an important day to recognize uh, colorectal cancer. It's the Wear Blue Day. This is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And on the phone, we have Michael Sapienza, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. Michael, welcome to In Tune. Thank you for having me. Now, you have a particular story. Uh, I, actually, before I, before I begin, let me, let me say, when you need to go, you just tell me, okay? Because I don't, I, I don't want to monopolize your time. But I do want to monopolize your time in this aspect to let us know about this important area, because I'm a survivor. Uh, back in 2007, I had my first colonoscopy and discovered three polyps, had 11 and a half inches of my colon removed. That was it. I was very fortunate. Some of my friends and colleagues who I know have had stage three and stage four, some had had to go uh, more aggressive treatment, and a couple actually did pass away. So you have a story of your own. Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, in 2006, I was actually uh, living in Miami Beach, Florida, performing with, excuse me, <laughs> with an orchestra there. And my mom and my dad called me one morning, and it was very odd because, you know, normally the both of them wouldn't call me on the phone. And my mom said, you know, we hit a bump in the road. And to make a long story short, she was diagnosed with late-stage colon cancer at the age of 56. Uh, Fast forward about two and a half years, and unfortunately, she passed away from the disease on Mother's Day in 2009. Mm. So, you know, our family at that point kind of, you know, looked at what was out there from a research standpoint, from a support standpoint, from like actually getting people screened. And, you know, the largest organization to fight this disease had a budget of about a million dollars, yet colon cancer was the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States. And basically, we said, this is unacceptable. We have to change it. We have to move forward in making this preventable disease actually preventable and getting more people screened. And that's what we did. Um, you know, fast forward, it's been 10 years since my mom died. Uh, now the CEO of the largest colorectal cancer advocacy organization in the country. We formed an organization called the Christopher Life Colon Cancer Foundation in her memory and really have have tried to be instrumental in, in, in moving this cause, you know, that's so, that's obviously so personal to me, personal to you, personal to 147,000 people this year will be diagnosed with the disease and about 51,000 people will die in the United States. So it's still the second leading cause of cancer related death and still a major, major, you know, public health issue. And it's very, very preventable. And I know part of the mission uh, that you all have at the Colorectal Cancer Alliance is to empower a nation of allies to work with us to provide support for patients, families, caregivers, and survivors to raise awareness of preventative measures and inspire efforts to fund critical research. But screening and care and cure, those are the three strategic goals. Screening is really, really important. That's how I found mine out. 
Yeah, it's you know it's it's been it's been a it's been a it's been quite quite a journey, and you know, I mean these these three pillars that we have: screen care, cure. It's it, it you know it took us a while to design this, but if you think about it, you know there's about 20 million people in the United States that are still not getting screened for colon cancer, and you know some of those people are young, some of them are old. You know, I think about the percentage of people between the ages of 50 and 54. Only about 49 percent of those people are getting screened, and I think about my mom. If she had been screened during that time, she'd be alive. She would have been able to see me get married in 2016 and all these different different things. So, you know, we think about the, these three pillars, screen, care, cure, and this screening thing, how important it is. And, you know, we're really, in a way, lucky as a disease state that we could eradicate, almost eradicate this disease, you know, and not for a ton of money either. That's the crazy thing. If people actually went and got their screenings, whether it be a colonoscopy or a FIT, or a Cologuard or a blood screening test or, or those things, it, we really could end this disease, um, you know, in the short term. And so that's why we feel like that screening pillar is so, so incredibly important. And then, you know, you move to the care pillar, you got about 1.4 million Americans right now today living with the disease, and they need our support. They need life-saving treatments. They need clinical trials. They need psychosocial help. They need financial assistance. They need all these things. They need to not feel like they're alone in this in this fight, and that's kind of what the alliance does. Is we you know surround people with love and our online community or our, our helpline or our buddy program or all these these different things. And so, you know, that's really what we were founded on is that we didn't want patients to kind of be be alone. And then the third one is the obvious one. It's it's the cure pillar, right? The screen care cure, and you know we've got still like I said, 1.4 million Americans, and they need an answer. And, you know, unfortunately, right now we're seeing immunotherapy, we're seeing it work for melanoma, we're seeing it work for some other types of cancers like crazy, but unfortunately for colon cancer, it's not. And even targeted therapies, what we call, you know, based on what kind of biomarker you have or what your colon cancer looks like or colorectal cancer looks like under a microscope, we're not seeing the advancements we should. We're not seeing the the type of young investigators that should really be, you know, at the forefront of this. And so the Alliance is trying to pour money we're trying to raise money, obviously, to pour money into, you know, bringing new young investigators into the field and also funding projects that, you know, will eventually be funded by the NIH. So what happens is the NIH and other large funders, they only fund research projects that are proven. And we've got to get these, these, these research projects proven first. So, you know, that's really kind of what we're doing from a, a screen care cure perspective. Now, I, I've, I found some of the the stats interesting that I, I really can't believe that this is hitting youngsters too. I, I was really, really surprised by that, that, that individuals as young as 23 are, are getting diagnosed with colon cancer because, you know, I think one of the things that I always thought was, Hey, you know, this is more of an, I don't want to say elderly because I'm kind of in that category, but an older <laughs> Mark's laughing at me right now. Uh, it's, it's more of a, a seasoned kind of, person, someone who has had children who are maybe grown, yeah. that they would develop it. But you're, you're finding that even college-age students are developing colon cancer. Yeah. So the average age of diagnosis is still in the, in, in, in the 60s. So the majority of people are getting this disease are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. But we are seeing about 11 to 12 percent in, in a drastic increase in people under the age of 50. So, you know, 49 and under. And you are absolutely right. 
that there are people that are in college. We had two people at our national conference last year that were teens. Um, <clears throat> there are more and more people. And one of the things we're trying to figure out is why is this happening? You know, why, you know, is it, is it, is it lifestyle? Is it environmental? Is it that actually biologically there's something different? Um, but I can't stress enough for, for young people that if you are having symptoms, meaning blood in your stool, change in bowel habits, cramping, night sweats, those sorts of, sorts of things, that you go see your primary care physician. And if you don't have one, you go see somebody. And you, you, you have to be your own advocate because what's happening is that these young people, meaning un- anybody under the age of 49, they're going to their doctor, they're saying, I have, <laughs> excuse me, they have these symptoms, but the doctor is saying, go home, take some Metamucil, or, 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 you know, come back and see me in two months. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what that does is it means that when these people are diagnosed, they're diagnosed late stage, stage four, because they're being dismissed over and over and over again. Our survey that we've done has said about 80% of these young, these young people are being misdiagnosed because the, the, the primary care physician or the GI docs think they're, they're never too young or that they are too young. And, you know, our campaign says you're never too young for colorectal cancer. So, you know, it's a big problem. We are, we, we're, we're investing this year alone about a million dollars in research to see, you know, like I said, is, is this an environmental piece? Is this, is it we're washing our hands too much? I mean, all this, this, this information about coronavirus. But, you know, when we're young and we, we're trying to build up our, our microbiome, et cetera, um, this could be playing a part into into potentially getting this disease at a younger age. You know, that's a great point. And I, I know that people are a little hesitant to talk about their bowels or their rectum or things like that. And when we're not trying to gross people out or talk about stools or those kinds of things. But those are, you know, this is part of your system. And, you know, based upon the things that you were saying, you know, 80% were initially misdiagnosed. This is from a, a sheet that I got off uh, the website that you have. Uh, 73% were diagnosed at a later stage. 50% felt their symptoms were ignored, 62% did not have a family history, and 67% yeah. saw at least two doctors before diagnosis. And I know family history is a huge thing, you know, uh, maybe a, a cancer marker that, that goes there, but really listening to your body and, and paying attention to those warning signs because your body tells you things when they're not, when it's not um, really, I, I don't want to use this in a, uh, off of our show, when, you're, when your body's not in tune with itself, it will tell you. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think I think that 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 message of being your own advocate, you know, because we don't want to scare people. I mean, the majority of young people are not going to get colorectal cancer, um, but it is on the rise, and it is again if you have the symptoms of blood in your stool, um, you know, change in bowel habits, you know, cramping, night sweats, etc. And they 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 last, um, you know, for for any any period of time, probably more than a couple of weeks. Um, definitely see your primary care physician or GI doc. And don't let them tell you, go home, if you, if you truly feel, like you said, that your body isn't in tune. Um, I think that's a really good message. You're listening to Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston of St. Louis In Tune. We're talking to the CEO of the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, Michael Sapienzo. And, Michael, how did you get from being a professional trumpet player <laughs> to the CEO of the largest national colorectal cancer Association in the United States. I, other than I know you talked about, you know, with your mom and that, but you you went ahead and you were you were performing professionally, and you were you were just almost like there's a stop. I know you're probably still playing. Hopefully, you still are. 
Um, yeah, not as much as I'd like. Not as much as I'd like. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. So the way that I answer this is, is is interesting. So when you're trained as a as a musician, you're trained to think outside the box. You are also trained to work with a whole heck of a lot of people. I mean, I performed in an orchestra with 99 other people. Excuse me, and I had to I had to perform within my section, meaning my group of instruments. I had to perform with with a bunch of other types of instruments. And once again, I was always taught to never accept okay as the thing that I should go with. I, I was taught to think outside the box, to think differently, to think creatively, to think, <clears throat> you know, beyond just what was right in front of me. And I'd say, especially when I was starting this organization with after my mom's death, that's what I did. It was it was passion, but it was also how do we make sure that this cause is really growing? So how do we get a community surrounded by, you know, surrounding, surrounding this? And, that, and that's one of the biggest things. You look at, look, you know, what Susan G. Komen has done or what, you, what, what uh, you know, the HIV AIDS movement did or what Leukemia and Lymphoma Society has done. What these groups have done is they've, they've garnered a community of people to really rally behind the cause. And I, and I would say... You know, that's one of the things that I did as well early on is I kind of realized, you know, that's what what we have to what we have to do. And then from a practical standpoint, um, you know, I was always involved in the business side of the orchestras I was in. I was on the young professional board. Sometimes, uh, you know, I actually participated in, 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 in the business side of things. And I was always obsessed with the fundraising. And, and knowing that, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen that show Mozart in the Jungle, but yes. they have this saying do you make the music to make the money or do you make the money to make the music? And I always knew from a very early on that you had to make the money to make the music so people can enjoy this amazing art form. Well, it's the same thing in this disease state of ours, this colon cancer, colorectal cancer. You know, people say, oh, how do you ask people for money? Well, I say it saves a life. How many people I've sat next to and sat across from as they cry, as they suffer through this horrible disease. And, and so, you know, we make the money to make our mission happen. And I think that's a really kind of important thing to think about as, as we move forward. And one of the the ways that money is is earned is you know there are a lot of benefits things that are going on but the undie run and walk which matter of fact St Louis has participated and I participated oh, in yeah. the 2020 St Louis undie run and walk is going to be uh, Saturday March 21st or March 21st yes and you can check uh, registration deadlines on the Alliance website which is uh, ccalliance.org ccalliance.org and these have been very popular around the country haven't they Michael. Absolutely, yeah. I think we have 19 now across the country. Tens of thousands of people participate in them, and it allows us to also give back locally. Um, we don't only use that money to fund national research or fund our national support programs or screening programs, but we also use those funds to fund local local programs as well. Now, what do you see uh, on the horizon? Do you see uh research that has shown some promising kind of practices that uh, there's really going to be maybe a cure down the road? Yeah, that's a good question, you know, because I'm always the the optimistic one and the one that dreams, you know, big and says, we've got to have a cure now because there's all these people that are, you know, suffering and, 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 and patients will come up to me and say, we're counting on you and and this. And I do think that, um, you know, we're making strides in research but we need to make much larger strides because what's happening is, 
you know, cancer treatment is becoming much more personalized or, or precision, what we call precision medicine. Yet, if you look at, you know, the, the, the advancements we've had, maybe even in breast cancer and in lung cancer, and the number of biomarkers that, that uh, um, we actually can test for breast cancer and lung cancer, way more than we have for colon, which means that those patients have way more options in terms of living longer, having better and more personalized treatments. And that's where I would say kind of like the, the, the real uh, target is right now for colorectal cancer. Can we get more um, of those personalized or precision medicine treatments that aren't one size fits all? But, hey, if we find a subset of 6% that this BRAF, that's the name of one of the mutations, can, can affect, or can we find 10% of a HER2-positive uh, you know, percentage? Can we look at KRAS that's a different percentage? So, you know, that takes money, that takes research, it takes time, it takes clinical, you know, willingness for people to participate in clinical trials. But I'd say that's where kind of we're, we're really moving and kind of what the forefront of our of our research is, is looking like. And, and then the other, the, the only other thing I would say is around, I mentioned earlier immunotherapy and we all know, you know, the Jimmy Carter got on it and he went from having a lot of cancer in his body to having virtually none and actually completely in remission. And we aren't really seeing that in colon cancer, except for probably about three to 4% of our patients. And we call what, what those patients have is they have hot tumors. And those tumors respond, they respond to immunotherapy. So there's a lot of, of research right now trying to turn the cold tumors, the other 96% of patients, can we turn their tumors to hot and then that immunotherapy works. So there's a lot of research going into that as well. You know, I really appreciate your uh desire and passion to press this issue and to move forward like you have been. And as a fellow musician, I, I really appreciated your analogy about when you were in the trumpet section and working with other musicians and what really strengths and skill sets that musicians have to be able to press forward and work with a, a variety of people. But I, I really appreciate how you have really move this organization along to press the issue about a cure, to get more people screened, to make sure that there is care taken with those who are afflicted with uh, colon cancer and rectal cancer. And it's it's very encouraging to me, uh, you know, having gone through mine, I was telling everybody on the air uh, previously that this is my, my summer. I have to go back for my colonoscopy after, uh, you know, having annual ones, and then I'm on a five-year hiatus. So, uh, you know, there's always this, this little thing in the back of your mind like, well, are they going to find anything this time? And uh, those things kind of kind of play with your mind and your psyche um, and sure. can can really do some damage unless you're grounded or you can talk to people who have been through it. But, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that things were caught early. And uh, I'm thankful that you have taken on the cause uh, based upon your, your mom's early, uh, untimely uh, death that uh, you're helping a lot of people around the country with this particular uh, cancer. So, Michael Sapienza, thank you very much. Michael's the CEO of Colorectal Cancer Alliance. That's ccalliance.org. Michael, take care, and we'll be talking to you in the future, okay? Thank you very much.